0: This is Pop Fizz, Episode 2, Part 2. From Emoticons to Snow Queens. Okay, and we're back, despite some mishaps where I recorded like half of this segment without realizing that the record button wasn't on. So we're gonna go over this again. (laughs) We apologize. (laughs) If our, uh, if this sounds a little canned, so... I was gonna say, if we're not as natural... (laughs) (laughs) There was just some gold here, and we're sorry you missed it, so... Oh, yeah. So... That's okay, you can't steal it. It's copyrighted. It's forever. (laughs) (laughs) It's not copyrighted. Anyway. Anyway, so... For the fiction piece for this episode... I brought The Raven and the Reindeer by T. Kingfisher. She also writes as Ursula Vernon. Uh, That pen name, Ursula Vernon, she uses for her um, children's children's stuff. Yes, James heard this already. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But her adult stuff is um, lovely and weird, but also very practical and occasionally horrific. And great. Um, Her most recent release is The Twisted Ones, which is a novel from Tour.com, which Jane is waving her hands because she's read it. I read it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was good. I really liked it. Which also involves deer. Yeah, I was actually thinking,
1: we're, okay, I don't want to reference too much what we already talked about. So, um.
0: We'll get back to it. I'm going to get to the
1: highlights. Pin in this moment. I but I was thinking the same thing when we we'll pin it, we'll come back to it.
0: Yeah. So also involves deer. We're gonna talk about that in just a second. Obviously, reindeer is a titular character in The Raven and the Reindeer. The Raven and the Reindeer is an adaptation of Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen, and it is important to note that Hans Christian Andersen has messed us up, all of us, because his stories are traumatic. <laughs> 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 Um,
1: (laughs) whole. Actually, that could just be the name of a book.
0: Yeah, I know book titles lately. Like Hans Christian Andersen messed us all up. And like
1: just a serious messes. Anyway,
0: I mean, if you think about, like, the Little Mermaid is the quintessential example. That's a Hans Christian Andersen story. The original. If you've ever read it, it's. fact
1: (laughs) Anyway, really quick digression. When I was like six, I don't know when that movie came out. When the Disney movie came out. And I loved it because everyone in our generation loved it and wants to be Ariel. I went to the bookstore because I'm a book nerd, if you hadn't guessed. And my mom was like, yeah, you can buy a book. And I found a Little Mermaid book, but it was like actually just a book of the Hans Christian Anderson story. Oh, no. And I remember going to my mom and being like, I want it. And she was like, are you sure? And I think she knew. I think she knew and was kind of like, Why would she do that to you? Okay. Because I really wanted to be a mermaid. So I I read it, and it was like the weirdest little heartbreak. It might have been How I Lost My Innocence, is just reading the actual story at that age. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Shameless self-promo about to happen, but (laughs) in my forthcoming novella, which, I don't know, probably will have announced by the time this podcast airs, um, I specifically thank my parents for giving me the recording of Bluebeard on a cassette tape when I was a child about, I would guess, about 12, which, of course, is really messed up fairy tale. <laughs> so, so, okay, to get back to T. Kingfisher, like she's done a lot of fairy tale adaptations, and this is a good place to link back, because fairy tales are kind of messed up, as we've mentioned, and they tended to be... Um, I mean, like, if you go back and read any original fairy tale, there's a lot of horror elements in it. One of the things I'm the most excited about coming up is the Green Knight film from AT4. hmm Um, because the Green Knight, of course, if you're not familiar with that story, it's a King Arthur tale, mm-hmm. um, is, like, I mean, it's quintessential horror. I mean, it's, like, you show up, and this guy's, like if you can chop off my head, I'll give you my kingdom, but you have to promise me that I get a chance to chop off your head. He chops off his head. Guy gets up and picks up his head and says, see you in a year. Like, <laughs> like, so fairy tales and like, <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, like... So, so the Raven and the Reindeer. Um, f- in order to talk about the Raven and the Reindeer on this episode, I went back and reread the original Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen to see how closely it parallels the original, and which is about where I was when we realized that the podcast wasn't recording. So we've come full circle, except for the blood magic. Oh, the blood magic! We forgot about the dear blood magic. <laughs> Don't forget about the blood magic, Mary. <laughs> Look, we remembered. (laughs) This is the new episode title. Instead of from whatever to whatever, it's Don't Forget About the Blood Magic. As Jane mentioned, my favorite part of T. Kingfisher's adaptation of his story, we're going to get here someday, is, is that um, there's a whole plot where one of the characters has to actually wear reindeer skin to turn into a reindeer, like a freshly harvested reindeer skin, so that they can get to the Snow Queen's palace because you can only get there by the reindeer roads. And Everybody
1: thinks Sven is such a cute character. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> that's the other thing we haven't mentioned, is that the Snow Queen is the inspiration for Frozen. Yes. So, we've made it. We've mentioned we all did.
1: And, and I I won't spoil the Twisted Ones, but when she told me that initially, like, a little antenna pinged up in my head. I was like, this is a thing she likes in her books, I guess. It's yeah. It's stuff involving dead deer bodies.
0: No, so I think that's a, re- a relatively recent fascination, but... Um. T. Kingfisher, Ursula Vernon, very down-to-earth writer. So, mm-hmm. um, she actually lives in North Carolina. Um, she is a really avid supporter of biodiversity and biodynamic, um, gardening methods and trying to save, like, heirloom seeds and stuff. So, mm-hmm. obviously, one of my heroes, um, she currently shares, a uh, property space, whatever, with Comrade Shepard, who is a major Twitter um, personality, who, um, she's a former military vet who has, like, PTSD and some other stuff going on that she talks about pretty openly, and one of the ways that she's decided to, um, uh, deal with that and, like, try to give back or, or interact uh, with the world in this new part of her life Is that she has become a, um, a shepherd, literally yeah. And she's also a socialist And <laughs> um, <laughs> thus the Twitter handle And um, and she raises heirloom sheep Yeah, it's really cool And so she's actually, her farm is on property That T. Kingfisher sure, Ursula Vernon owns now So yeah. they're very good friends And they like live across the street from each other so that's context for The Twisted Ones because The Twisted yeah. Ones is set in that kind of community and, and you know, of course she's across the street from, like, the weird poly it Sort of space. hippie. Yeah, like, I'm not, I, I don't know how to describe them. They're, they're great.
1: A <laughs> uh, quick word for The Twisted Ones because we're talking about it a lot uh, as a sell if, if you're interested in finding, especially because of her work, I think it's one of the easier things to find in a store right now if you wanted to go out and, like, look for it. This is one of the reasons I've read it, because it's pretty accessible. Uh, The pitch is, a woman gets a call from her dad, her grandma has passed on, her house is a hoarding nightmare, Oh yeah. and dad is like, I know it's a big ask, but I can't deal, could you please go clean it? And she's like, okay. So she takes her adorable, awesome dog that you will definitely care about a lot.
0: Um, And the dog doesn't
1: die. Yeah, I don't think that's a spoiler. I think you need to know the dog's okay, because the dog's amazing. Um, but she takes her dog and she goes to try to um, clean out her grandma's house and then spooky things. Spooky things. And it's including, such a great premise.
0: Including deer skulls. Yes, that's all I'm going to say. But, <laughs> so It's, it's kind an aesthetic. Of, it's, yeah. So she definitely is writing from this, like, To some extent, from this, like... I I kind of think of it as, like... I mean, she's definitely a unique writer, but I kind of think of it as this Appalachian Gothic kind of thing. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, I see that. And, um, Sherry Priest also, I think, has been doing some of this. She actually did, um, The Family Plot, which is a lovely book, horror book, um, that is basically about Black Dog Salvage. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Oh, that is so cool! Right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is so cool! It's like, if Black Dog Salvage tried to salvage an actual, literal haunted house, like, um, like a not good haunted house. Um, I, I will just say this, I am such trash for, like,
1: a horror concept that is reality show goes wrong. Any kind of reality show goes wrong. Yeah. Ghost Hunter show goes wrong. Dating show goes wrong. Like, well,
0: it's not, I, I guess I shouldn't say, like, Black Dog Salvage as, because they don't have, bring, like, camera crew in with them or anything. But still, that. But they're doing that salvage work. Yeah, is, that premise. That, so that's, the, that's the example that I, that's how I pitch it
1: to I love, I love that so much. It's like, um, oh, there's so much, there's so many good examples, and for some reason my head is stuck on House of Leaves, which doesn't exactly work, but... There's so many good. There's so many good. It's such an excellent trope. Uh, American Horror Story Season 5, Roanoke, uh, plays with that a lot. But anyway, we are getting way away from the We're ice queen. so
0: far from the We're uh, from so the into Appalachian
1: queen. Gothic. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we will have to come back to the Appalachian Gothic, stick a pin on it, Southern Gothic genre, because it's definitely making a minor resurgence. And I think, like... It's one of my favorite things because it's I can Same. actually see like I, I connect with it so much. But anyway, so all so I love T Kingfisher is the point of this story. She's excellent. Her writing's amazing reader stuff. And in this case, um she did an adaptation of the Snow Queen that actually really closely parallels the original Snow Queen. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't really expecting um I wasn't expecting it to be so parallel because I actually read this one first and then I went and read The Snow Queen which is technically seven stories except really each story is only like three or four paragraphs so it's it's a long short story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, it's a uh, basically she like ta- what is so interesting about what she's done with it mm-hmm. is she has taken this original story she's cut out a lot of the, like, weird extraneous bits. Mm -hmm. She's kept pretty much every major plot point, though, at the same time. Pretty much every major character still makes an appearance in this book. However, it's streamlined. It doesn't... It doesn't meander the way that, um... that the Hans Christian Andersen story does. And it, um... doesn't blame... Like, Kay is definitely a jerk. (laughs) <laughs> so the, the biggest difference for me Besides the fact that T. Kingfisher's story Was a queer retelling of the story Yeah Is that K In the Snow Queen Because they have the same names K in the Snow Queen Only becomes a jerk Because He gets a little bit of the mirror In his eye or yeah. whatever Right, yeah So the mirror in his eye and his heart... I was right. I was like, it's in his heart too, isn't it? But I know
1: it's in his eye because that freaked me out.
0: Right? (laughs) (laughs) So he has... So supposedly the story, the Snow Queen, opens up with this demonic mirror that has been created that I kind of read as loosely a metaphor for science. So I don't really know how I feel about that. Hmm. But that was kind of my... I don't know if it's, see that it's not explicitly stated, but it, it's described sort of in this Tower of Babel slash Icarus way, mm-hmm. um, wherein there's this mirror that was made by a demon, and all the humans loved it so much, and they used it to, like, see their world and analyze their world. It's a microscope. Yes. Right. <laughs> or, or it's a telescope. Right. And so they're looking at the world and they can only see all the bad things and some people even have glasses made out of the mirror and they can only see bad things ever and like, you know, like whatever. And then some people try to take it up to heaven to see what heaven looks like with the mirror but of course it's a freaking demonic mirror. And so it falls back, That it like they get vaporized or something? I don't know. It falls back to the ground and shatters and little pieces of it go all over the world and when they fall into someone's eye or heart or whatever they make them essentially a wise ass. And so Pick <laughs> it's puberty?
1: No. Maybe it's a shard of demonic mirror. <laughs>
0: No demonic mirrors in T. Kingfisher's retelling, which I'm quite a fan of because I don't, it, it is weird to me to blame like a boy kind of just being a boy. Like, oh, that was such a sexist thing to say. Oh god, okay.
1: Oh no, it can't go back. <laughs> it can't- we want to <laughs> kill all men. No. It's come out now. You found us. No. Don't take this that's, that's out of context. Actually,
0: that's <laughs> not actually what I meant. I, JK Kimura. <laughs> like. <laughs> like. No. No.
1: People can be. Like. People no. People can be shitty. And right. that doesn't make them bad people. That's just part of growing is learning. Right. Like kids are really shitty. Because At they're the center other. of their world. Yeah. They're so shitty. You learn to be less shitty as you get older.
0: Theoretically. and, and Hopefully. Hopefully. And. In the story, Kay, Greta is in love with Kay, but Kay is never in love with Greta, and this is in the T. Kingfisher story, and he kind of treats her as, like, a convenience, and it was so, it, like, jived so much for me. I was like, oh my god, I've been in these relationships, (laughs) which are not really friendships, no, but are transactional sort of yeah like it's like but i've been in these relationships with men who i was like head over heels for and they were like haha i will take physical advantage of you at times and also emotional advantage of you but then i will proceed to go date someone else and this is basically what Kay is doing to greta at the beginning of the story no and but despite this she's still like crosses the whole frickin' world, pretty much, for him, and mm-hmm. almost dies. And so it's this really interesting um, retelling of this, because in the Hans Christian Andersen version, Kay's just under a spell, so he's not really a bad person, and he he's not really bad for Greta, and at the end they end up together.
1: I was gonna say, don't, I couldn't remember if they did or not. Which is a much worse lesson, because... And and to take a step back, there are women who do that to men. There are women who do that to women. There are men who do that to men. Yeah. Like, uh, we're just coming from our own experiences, and since you've dated men and I've dated men, that's 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 where I'm coming from. That's where we are. And and everything. But just the the fact that a relationship is not working.
0: Doesn't per se mean that that person is a bad person, but they're bad for you. Exactly. So it's like...
1: What, not a great message of, and I I know it's not literally the only message of this story, but it, I agree, I I don't like the idea of, well, they're being a jerk because there's something evil controlling them. It's just not a good relationship, baby. You just let him move on with his life and you go, you let him go off with that ice queen.
0: Yeah. And you
1: find yourself somebody else. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you're not going to save him from himself.
0: Yeah, and I so what I I think I I, I don't want to spoil the ending of the story and like how it all resolves and everything. But I think what I like the best about this story and what I like about other T. kingfisher stories is that the magic is not subtle. I wouldn't call it that, but it feels natural. It feels like um like it's evolved in the yeah. space, you know? So it's not like um it doesn't, It it's not like high magic. It's actually somewhat similar to Uprooted. Have you read Uprooted? Yes, I have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's got such an interesting magic system,
0: too. Right. Because it's like the high magic of the like court mages or whatever. Yeah, the
1: accepted sort of,
0: sci-
1: not scientific magic, but like upper class magic. Uh-huh. That's written and studied and accepted and then there's like Hedgewitch magic.
0: Right. The intuitive like you're feeling through these things, it comes from the heart, like, that kind of approach. And I think T. Kingfisher does that really well. Like, Mm -hmm. all of her... Even if the magical system originates in more of that, like, high magic space, Mm -hmm. um, or, like, more structured magical system, the person who's interacting with it a lot of times doesn't have that magical background, is not per se a magician... In the traditional sense, they are attempting to undo these curses or these spells. They're and in the process, they're basically negotiating with like a power, not necessarily like a wizard or something. It's it the the people a lot of times end up the the magic piece ends up being feeling almost elemental or mythical. Yeah, and. I just that's something that's really attractive to me in her stories so it's hard to
1: write well too because it is there's sort of a i love sailor moon but there's sort of a sailor moon easy out or rise of skywalker and we just have magic and don't ask us to explain it and then there's actual like awe-inspiring magic (laughs) like gandalf where you don't really know how he does what he does what he does or like any of Lord of the Rings is a really good example of soft magic feeling awe-inspiring, but I can't think of many other good examples, because it's very hard to write, I think, um, and not just feel like a crutch, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a certain... There, you can go the other way, way too far the other way, too, at times, for sure. I think... Um, I haven't actually read it, but my understanding is that The Magicians is a little bit like this, that magic is almost, like, the same way that you learn any science and it can be bad or good and if you do it wrong it can have negative consequences that you can't control like <laughs> she's seeing my face <laughs> my face i've read the first book i want to be fair i've only read the
1: first book and i have the understanding from like reviews and stuff the series is different after the first book i think the next two books are supposed to be better cool for them um there were things about the book that i really really liked that i'd highly recommend. Um, and then there were things about it that just were huge problems for me, and I think pacing is a big issue, that the pacing of that book is weird, because it's almost like we're going to take all of Harry Potter, but we're going to put it in, like, the first 150 pages, and then they're going to graduate and be basically, like, gods. They have so much power, but they have nothing they want to do with their lives. And then we're going to keep following them, and each of these are interesting premises, but they're shoved this way that as a story, like trying to read the book, it was sort of getting
0: jerked around. And there was some It was like, Wonder Woman.
1: Beautifully creepy moments. There's this moment in The Magicians where everything freezes. Like, you're talking about consequences, right? He's practicing something, and he practices it wrong, and literally the world freezes. And he's in class, he's surrounded by his classmates and his teacher. And um, this man appears... And um, the man doesn't have a face. And the way that I always imagined it was like, do you know René Magritte? His paintings. He's the one who, and you can hear the little rasp in my voice because I'm my cold. So I'm sorry, but he'd like put an apple over the face in the kind oh, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. hat. So think oh, like that. Think like that. You now I
0: understand why my friend has that painting. He loves the magicians.
1: And it's it's very that. And he like just is like calmly walking around doing his shit, like picking up chalk and all this other stuff, and no one can move including the main character, but they're just watching this guy do shit out of nowhere, and then he, like, eats one of their classmates, and then the world comes back to normal. It's so creepy. It's one of the creepiest, weirdest, what-the-fuck things I've ever read. So there's some really good stuff in The Magicians, but I thought it was just such this big mess, and I also think that Quentin is a terrible protagonist. That's something that I've kind of, like, vented and forgotten about, but he's very much, like the undeserving what about me a nice guy disaster protagonist that like undeservingly has the best friends and is the most power and of course like all the girls or at least the girls he wants want him and like he's a shit (laughs) and kind of an awful person throughout but he's our hero so it's gonna work out
0: for him like he's an anti-hero like quintessential
1: he doesn't have glass in his eye he's just going through puberty and then post-graduation angst he's just a jerk he's just a kind of a jerk yeah like he's dating this girl and she's like i want to do things with my life and he's like i don't and she dumps him or at least i think she dumped him and i was like yeah her can i follow her story yeah (laughs) i want to know what she's doing He's supposed this way a
0: lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, but why are we following this person? What
1: what made them the protagonist? Yeah. This is a much cooler character in story. I like
0: this one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's cool. I, I really love. Honestly, I think that there's something about the original Snow Queen that's so weird that it holds up well to being broken into different pieces and really radically changed, which is cool. So I think, like, Frozen is a really good story. Frozen 2 isn't as good, but I I always, like... I I like that they turned it on their head. I like that they thought about something different. I like that they could do that by re examining the snow queen herself. But
0: well I I also realized that Mm -hmm. like that glass in the eye, glass and the heart thing, that's Anna getting hit with the snow beam or whatever. This the glass and the heart. They just they combine they essentially combine Greta and the snow queen's character somehow and Anna is K.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, but it but that's like so loose of a interpretation.
1: Which is great. And and it was like the fact that she gets hit with it I honestly thought you were going somewhere different for a second, um, because she literally gets hit, like you said, with the ice and it's fr- uh, freezing her. But it's like a plot convenience thing. I thought she meant like Hans, that she gets hit with. Oh hi, pretty stranger. You seem perfect. You seem good. Like
0: well, yeah, he could be a K character too. They don't. They don't. They stick so loosely to the original plot. It's. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of it more like. Anna has to be Kay to some extent because she's the person that's getting saved. Mm -hmm. So the Snow Queen, um, takes Kay. Kay supposedly has these glass shards in his heart, which whatever. And that's what allows him to safely, like, be with the Snow Queen because he doesn't have any, like, emotions or whatever. And so, yeah. So she, when she, like kisses him and makes him cold, and he basically turns blue all over, and he's still alive. And in this one, she, um, freezes his heart, essentially, and so he, like, or the the threat is that eventually his heart will be frozen all the way through, and he'll die, which has happened with other boys, and they just, like, freeze in place. And it's also very similar to the White Witch from Narnia, which I think must have been some kind of influence here, because it's so similar, because... yeah, I see. Well,
1: and what's interesting with the White Witch is that she was not originally the White Witch. I am super rusty on my Narnia, but wasn't her first name Jade?
0: She was. Like... She was from like a desert planet uh-huh. at some point. Yeah, she was green, and
1: she was like freed in one of the other ones. It might. She's
0: freed in the Magician's nephew. Is it the Magician's yes. nephew? I thought it was the
1: horse and his boy.
0: No, it's the okay. Magician's nephew. And that one's technically a prequel to The line, the Wish in the Wardrobe. I'm sorry, I'm a hardcore Chronicles of Narnia fan. Well, that's that's where it was like,
1: <laughs> it's been a hot minute. I love it. I love the series, but it's been a minute since I read it. Um, but I was actually just thinking, like, it's, it's interesting because if you want to look at the relationships and play with them, I think mm-hmm. that's cool. And me coming in and being like, hey, that's not healthy. Somebody could reinterpret it and go, it eh, is healthy. Like, you know, like. Cinderella is sexist, and in some way Cinderella isn't, because it's, like, this quiet feminine kind of strength, and that's cool. Showcase that.
0: Um, it's just when those are the only kinds of stories that we have.
1: That's, that's the, the problem.
0: problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, like, when you're, like, oh, the problem is that when she kisses him, he becomes a worse person, and there's, like, two ways of looking at that. One is really petty. Or there's, like, the flip side, which is, like, what do you do when someone that you love is in a toxic relationship? Mm-hmm. Which, actually, actually, Sailor Moon. The animated Taylor- Sailor Moon series with uh, her best friend falling in love with Nephrite. When I was like eight and I was watching this plot of Sailor Moon and her best friend being in love with this dangerous older man, I was so into Nehru's story. Like, her being in love with him and how it was mistaken and tragic and oh no, and then he dies for her. And you're like, oh, this is so sad. Rewatching it as an adult? I was very focused on Usagi, and Usagi being like, hey, what? Like, these quiet little moments where Usagi's like, hey, that's not okay, and, like, not knowing how to talk to her, and especially as she knows that he's trouble, but she doesn't want to say it, and then seeing their fights and the way that Nehru will push her away because how dare she rightfully point out that this guy's trouble, and I loved that. I loved somebody telling that story. So there's... There's so many ways you can flip a dynamic. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you give me an Ice Queen story about someone using enchanted shiny things to use powers that don't make sense, I'm going to get to Sailor Moon. (laughs) It's good, it's good. We're good,
0: we're good. All right, guys, tell us your favorite... Actually, really, like, tell us your favorite magic. Like, really, I'd love to hear about your favorite lady magic. (laughs) So, like, magical girls or witches in the woods or whatever. Tell us about your favorite story with, like, lady-centered magic. I like that a lot. All right. Cool. All right. Peace. Toodaloo. (laughs)